0: hello 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 this is Anita and this is black menopause and beyond I'm just doing a bonus show today so uh, I did a, release the a show last week and I've, I think I received quite a good reception from people so I've had some feedback and it seems to be quite good and I'm going to do a show today inspired on a menopause event that I put on now I don't know if you know but I I am not only a black woman who's perimenopausal, I'm also a community worker who incorporates menopause activism as part of my community work. And I work as a community advocate for a charity in the town that I live in. now. And I'm also allowed to do stuff... Um, with the organisation around menopause. And I also run um, a menopause organisation as well in the town that I live in called Menopause Alliance. Now, Menopause Alliance is something that I started officially in about 2019. I was thinking about it from 2018, but I actually put it into action and I started a Facebook group in 2019 and I had a few conferences and I also organised meetups and things like that in 2019 so that's what I did menopause alliance i my aim and my ambition is to make a multicultural menopause group and the reason why i say that is i was hoping and this is me being very naive and i will do a, a podcast episode actually on my journey through menopause activism but i was a bit naive when i Um, started my menopause alliance group, which at the time was called Bedford Menopause Support Group, because I, as a black woman, lived in a town that's approximately a third of the town is ethnic minority. So it has above average statistics with, with regards to diversity. I just presumed talking about the menopause would attract kind of a mixed clientele. And I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity for women of all diversities to get together and talk about something which is affected them and which is a universal, a worldwide taboo. Menopause. So in every country um, in the world that I'm aware of, it's a taboo. I'm not aware that any country has embraced the topic of women and menopause at all. If there is one, please, you know, tell me via email, but I'm not aware of it at all. So for me, menopause was actually a great a great way to knock down barriers and i thought the group being run by myself as a black woman and in a multicultural town and i'm a community worker so i would use my my basic skills to attract diverse people to the room that it would be more Representative to look like demographics of the town that I live in, but I was so wrong. All my events, um, I mean, one event I put on, I think had about a hundred people, and I had about six speakers. Three speakers were black, and the other three were Caucasian. And I would say, other than that, I think maybe we had about two Asian ladies in the room, and maybe two black women in the room. And there was a hundred people attended in a town that is about one third. Ethnic minority, then I would expect to have seen a lot more than in total. I think in total, it might actually not have even been for two Asian, two two black women. I think actually it was two Asian and one black woman attended. So that's three out of a hundred women in a town that roughly has ethnic minority representation of a third. So yes, I was a bit shocked by that. So anyway, I put on um, an event a few weeks ago and I was blessed. I was lucky to work with two gynecologists based in the town that I live in, plus the National Health Service Menopause Lead. I'm really lucky actually because I mean, as I said, I will do a a podcast on menopause activism because that's when I I truly, that's where I could truly see the division of women with regards to ethnicity and diversity um, and class as well. That's where it really jumped out at me that a space fighting for equality driven by women because menopause conversations being driven by women is full of division so anyway uh, so i've i put on an event where the gynecologists trained up national health service professionals and the reason why that's been done is because a lot of people within the national health service either frontline People who, you know, were nurses or people who come across people before they get to the GP, like consultations and stuff like that, they don't really actually know much about the menopause or they were trained on the menopause so long ago that they haven't actually put into practice or utilised their knowledge um, and it's been years since they were trained. It was about time really that, uh, well, I feel, felt it was about time that we we kind of help the professionals, so they can help us. And this event was organized by my group, Menopause Alliance, working with the gynecologist and also the Menopause um, National Health Service Menopause Lead. And it was working with them. We put on this event and the event was really good. I mean, I must admit being in the room was kind of interesting because I've always been a signposter around the conversation of menopause. I've never, ever felt comfortable preaching about the menopause beyond really basic things. So, you know, you can go online and just Google some basic things and you'll find out some basic information on the menopause. And that's what my comfort zone has been because I feel that it's medical professionals job to educate women on the menopause really i personally feel i think i think you need to know the basics with regards to it and i need to know the basics to signpost but there's different types of hrt that you take depending on where you are you know the stages you are and different women have different symptoms and so many things are influenced by your hormones that for me it's really important that someone who who's really studied and trained the females female body and it's into and how it recovers and, and deals with and processes hormones, it's really important that you go to a medical professional personally for me. So I've never ever been tempted to try and do their job. And that I think that's the reason why the gynecologists and the menopause lead worked with me because I'm not trying to do their job Yeah, But I, what I did is I did learn a few things based on my, People watching skills because I'm a good people watching watcher, and I noticed that in the room we had just under forty health professionals turn up, which is really great. And a hundred percent of the professionals that turned up, a hundred percent were women. I thought hundred percent, not one man, not one male GP or whatever turned up for this additional menopause training. Um, And to me, that's a really bad sign because a lot of GPs, in fact, I did some research, according to www.digitalnhs.uk website, 65% of doctors are men. And overall, the National Health Service is 77% female, but a large proportion of the decision makers and influences with regards to health are men so for me not having one single man in the room being offered additional training on the menopause in 2022 when we've gone through so much we've just gone through so much talking about it and publicity and on stuff on tv and and the conversation around the menopause has changed they talk about the tv and um, adverts It's mentioned in the news whereas four years ago no one mentioned the menopause absolutely no one So the fact that we've got for all this and the people who influence women's menopause and who have the power to prescribe medication needed to alleviate women's discomfort through the menopause, the fact that no man turned up. From the health profession was a bit scary because then that tells me that there's so much work that needs to be done. Because one of the reasons why we've got to a state where menopause is a taboo is because of, to use a word that appeared in Dr. Jen Gunter's book called um, Menopause Manifesto, she uses the, the, the wording of medical misogyny. So within the medical sector, women's health has less value. They spend this money on women's health and men just don't take women's health as serious. And the fact that this event was put on and not one single man, 100% were women, not one male attended to have a conversation uh, and develop their skills on the menopause either tells me that they think that they know all about the menopause, even though clearly none of them have experienced it firsthand, the men that didn't turn up. And if women who... Also, have some of these women have gone through the menopause, um, or going through the menopause, are turning up to understand and be educated on something which they experience firsthand and don't fully understand, or they want to kind of brush up on on what what's going on in 2022 because me- medically the conversation around menopause has developed over the past few years. There's a lot more stuff out there and that's known about the men- menopause. Why are these men not turning up? It makes you wonder are things changing? Are things changing at all? The fact that no men turned up. I know it was a small sample. So, you know, a different place, a different time, a different group of people. It might be quite different, but to me, it was a bit shocking. So that was the thing that I I was not impressed with, and I observed the lack of men. But I also looked at the breakdown, the diversity breakdown in the room, and actually the diversity breakdown was okay. It was as I said, Bedford as a town has roughly around one third ethnic minority, and in the room I. I could see 20% of the room were black. So I think actually that's actually quite good because I looked at the census... And for the demo, the census is out of date for Bedford. So we've still got the 2011 census, which is clearly 11 years old. I'm waiting to see what the ethnic minority mix of my town is. When it comes out, it should come out in the next 12 months because it's been done. I think it's just, they just slowly put it. Hold up. it out there's different bits of information so the only information available at the moment is the the 2011 but there is a more up-to-date census which will drop very soon next year or so so i'm just waiting for that to come out but according to that census the narrative of black which consists of um caribbean african and mixed heritage including you know black um including african or caribbean is just it's about five percent so we have other ethnicities here that make up the one third, but the fact I could see twenty percent of the nurses there were black meant that actually it was a higher ratio, a higher ratio than than the town that I live in, which is actually really good. It's really good. It's good for black women because it increases the chances of black women seeing a black nurse. Because I. Think, uh, some of them were doctors, but black nurse or doctor who can give them um, some information with regards to menopause. And that hopefully will make the menopause experience for black women, hopefully, uh, more of a positive one. But also one thing I also like to mention as well. I'm a community worker and I've mentioned that before. And as part of my work, I'm quite conscious of the narratives within the conversation of black. So I work on the basis where... And, and some people, this is quite controversial, actually, within the black community, because people keep saying, within the black community and outside the black community, that black people we don't work together enough. And I don't like the, those references. I think there's a lack of understanding and education, and a high degree of arrogance around the conversation of black diverseness. What I mean about what I, what I mean by saying the word black diverseness is understanding that black is is the collective grouping that people who are black skin are called. But within that collective, there are so many communities. And some of the communities are divided majorly. Um, and one of the things which divides some of the communities is water. <laughs> Caribbeans and people who come from the continent and Africa they're two set they there's two separate continents and i sometimes feel that when people say oh, black people don't work together it's a lack of education a lack of understanding and it puts more pressure on black people and it's another way to demonize us and we also use that language as well this so I find it quite frustrating because I think, no, we need to stop using that type of language because it's demonising us and and devaluing us by saying that we don't work well together just because we're black. And I explain the reason why. I know if I come across someone who, say, for instance, is Russian, white and Russian. And I come across somebody who's from Greenland or they come from Belgium or England or Scotland. I know that I'm talking to people who all are white, but culturally they're different and they have their own languages. They have their own culture. They have their own cultural temperaments and everything. I don't presume that a white person from Germany is identical to a white person from Russia and therefore i don't demonize the individuals by saying if they don't get on or oh, there's a difference i don't demonize all white people by saying oh they can't work together i would just never ever consider say using that that negative language and demonizing a collective based on their color Because they come from two separate countries, even though sometimes some of these countries are in the same continent, the continent of Europe. But yet people forget that the Caribbean, you know, is the continent of um, America and Africa is a continent. And it's a massive continent, an absolutely massive continent full of loads and loads of different countries. And these countries have, they, ha- they have history which overlaps, you know, such as Europe does as well. Um, but it, the, each country has its own history. It has its own language. It has its own cultural temperament. The, you know, the people look different in different parts of Africa. West Africans look very different than North Africans. North Africans look different than South Africans. Um and you know West Africans as well, and they have they're just different because they're all countries. Just as just in the same way, um, Italy is is different than Poland, and Poland is different than um, Denmark you know, they're all different. And I think that sometimes we beat ourselves up and pe- we let other people to beat ourselves up by saying, oh, us black people don't get on. Well, no, um, if you actually look at it, chances are that they're doing comparisons with people who are culturally different, but who are black. So even though there's an overlap of history, because in the Caribbean, clearly our history, um, the heritage for the Car- from the Caribbean being is africa clearly but africa is a continent um and we have evolved culturally because we have left the continent of africa caribbeans have evolved and africans who were not taken as slaves have also evolved and they haven't lost their history whereas a lot of caribbeans lost their history as part of our slavery as us losing our language and our cultural dress and a lot of our cultural traditions and tribal traditions we lost through slavery and colonization. A lot of people who they might have been colonized, but they never lost their cultural background. They never lost their language. Well most of them didn't. some some did lose, but you know there's stuff they didn't lose, which the Caribbeans did lose. So they have evolved differently over the past you know, um, hundreds of years, four to 600 years, and so has the Caribbean. We've both evolved differently, but there is clearly a similar foundation there. And uh, so getting back to the point, so when I work in spaces where I work with diverse groups like Black Black, black or Caribbean, so black or Asian or Caucasian, I always take into consideration the diversity and the different narratives within that um ethnic group or or within that colour group, I should say. So I always take that into consideration. So even though there were six doctors there, not many of them were Caribbean, I'll be honest with you. They were mainly from the continent of Africa. So that's good with regards to um it's overall good with regards to conversation around black and it's good in relation to helping some of the cultural differences that appear within between African and Caribbean women because Caribbean women have you know they've had the West influence their um their history quite a lot and they've lost some of their cultural background whereas African women generally you know they're their backstory is different so they have stronger they have very much a greater understanding of their cultural tribal historical history um and sometimes the conversation around menopause and ethnicity you have to take that into consideration because there are cultural taboos on different ethnicities and cultural groups so i know Talking to women from the Caribbean around menopause is different than talking, to be honest with you, to women from certain African countries, um, because the taboo is just greater. It's just greater, and also because um, windrush etc. There's a higher ratio of second and third generation Caribbeans living in the UK. Um, compared to um the african women so i know in where i live whereabouts i live a large proportion of women i interact with from africa are first generation that means that the, the taboos around um menopause are actually greater i would say um than, than the caribbean because there's a other influences um, which I think is more intense. Uh, I could be wrong because, you know, I haven't done a survey. It's just based on my chit chat experience talking to different people. That's um, my conversation there. Uh, and this has just really been a bonus chit chat, really, in response to the event I did. But it was good. I enjoyed the event and I think it's going to make an impact for some people um, in the town that I live on, live in, uh, because they will receive better menopause healthcare. Which is that's what it's all about. That's that's what we need. Whether they're whatever nationality, we need women to 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 receive good healthcare. Um, and women of colour need to be treated equally. So thank you for listening. If you want to, you know, keep in touch with my podcast and whatever, were member to follow or subscribe my podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and also please remember to follow my social media so my social media is blk meno beyond so that's on instagram and that's on twitter and if you um want to follow on facebook I must my facebook's been quite quiet but I'm going to improve my facebook so if you want to follow my facebook it's just black so it's black menopause, I should say and beyond. Um, but thanks for listening. You are—you have been absolutely fabulous.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen